You are listening to the Mother Good Podcast, episode number 18. I'm your host, Emily Carney. I'm an attorney, wife, mother of a two-year-old and a golden doodle puppy, and I live in Southern California. I'm your host, Lauren Michelle. I'm a wife, toddler boy mom, and medical student pursuing my MD here in California. When I'm not studying, you can find me chugging a lukewarm Americano, perfecting my iPhone photography skills, or yelling at my cats to stop scratching the couch. Gosh, I don't have anything cute to say like Lauren, but I love warm chocolate chip cookies out of the oven and walks in the sunshine. At Motherhood, we believe there is no way to be a perfect mom, but many ways to be a good one. We are committed to providing content that is judgment-free within the context of evidence-based research. Today, Lauren and I talk with Kate Wicker, who is author of the book, Getting Past Perfect. And I'm so excited for you to listen to our interview with her because her book is exactly what we're all about here at Mother Good, that there's no way to be a perfect mom, but many ways to be a good one. Yeah. So I looked up Kate's book on Amazon and it has 4.9 out of five stars. It's got raving reviews. And I just thought I'd read a quick snippet of one of her bios. So Kate Wicker is a mom, wife of five, speaker, journalist, and perfectionist in recovery. She is the author of Getting Past Perfect, as Emily said, and another book called Weightless, Making Peace with Your Body. She's currently working on her first novel. In addition, Kate is a popular speaker and frequent guest on podcasts and radio programs such as Huffington Post Live, the Among Women podcast, Sunrise Morning Show, and more. We really enjoyed our chat with Kate because she's just so vulnerable and honest and then also positive when it comes to motherhood. I think some of the big takeaways, at least for me, was that she said that she now does things for the right reasons and not the wrong reasons, which she describes as not doing things just because of what others might think or perceive of her and only doing them if she thinks that they're the best for her family and also just learning how to say no, which I think is really big for um, us moms. Yes. I, I think along those same lines, what she said about making sure you're enjoying your own life. And I kind of interpreted that as you can decide what kind of mom you want to be and you don't have to fit into anyone else's mold. Um, and I really loved that and identified with that. She had so many pearls of wisdom and hilarious stories and practical advice. And I know I learned a lot just talking with her. And so I'm certain that anyone who listens to this episode will learn so much not about being a mom, but just about being a confident and accomplished woman. Another thing that I love what Kate talked about was how the way our children act aren't always a reflection of our parenting styles, which is also, I think, a really big struggle for us as parents. We think that every single poor choice that our children make as they grow up into adults are always a reflection of us. And that's not always the case. So it's a really good reminder. So if if you're a mom and you just struggle with perfection, which I don't know what mom doesn't struggle with <laughs> trying to find that right balance between perfection and realism and also just being at peace with yourself as a mom, then this episode will be a really good one for you to listen to. Here's our episode with Kate Wicker. Hi, Kate. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for coming on our show. And I'm so excited to talk to you, especially after I saw your book, Getting Past Perfect. A couple months ago, I came across it that some women had done a Bible study, or sorry, not a Bible study, a book study on it. Um, And I was just so excited when I saw it because it's just so relevant to our motto here at Mother Good. So 
Um, but before we talk about your book, I was wondering if you could share a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, well, I have five kids. I have um, I, all the way up from a 15-year-old who just got her driver's permit today. So the adventure is about to begin, <laughs> teaching my first child Very to drive. Very <laughs> so that should be exciting. And then um, I have a, uh, a 10-year-old, um, I'm sorry, a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 2-year-old. And sometimes I do forget my kids' ages as well as their names, um, but I love them dearly. And then we live in Georgia. And then uh, professionally, I, um, am a, I'm a writer. I have a, my degree in journalism. And before I had kids, I actually did write for a parenting publication, and I cringe now at the advice I gave people, thinking I knew how to be a parent before I was one. So um, <laughs> I have been. There's this one article I I wrote about getting your child to sleep, and then my first child was the worst sleeper ever, and every sleep strategy, nothing would work. So. <laughs> So I just sort of cringed that I thought, I can't believe I wrote that article. But anyway, so I've been writing for a long time about um, parenting and motherhood. And now that I'm in the trenches, I feel like I um, at least know a little bit more, but I'm in no way an expert and I'm learning every day. And um, it's just a wild, crazy adventure. And then I speak um, to moms as well as women. I My two main passions are to encourage mothers, also to encourage women as far as uh, body image goes and beauty as someone who I did suffer from an eating disorder as a teenager and young uh, adult. And so those are the two things I'm really passionate about having women find their true worth and get past perfect and all these sort of unrealistic standards and ideals we um, set up for ourselves. Um, Great. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's been really interesting hearing about how you got to where you are now. Uh, Could you tell us maybe a little bit on the personal side of things, what have been your biggest struggles in your personal journey to motherhood and your own experience? And um, definitely, I'm sure that will tie into your latest book as well. When I first became a mom, uh, I was sort of crazy. (laughs) I just really sort of neglected self-care. I would say until probably my fourth child was born. (laughs) I mean, it was bad. I just uh, was afraid to share my other talents with the world. I was afraid that if I let my children cry at all at night, I was going to ruin them. I was just kind of crazy. And um, I don't say that in a bad way. I think that all of my intentions were in the right place. I just started realizing that when I messed up, which I was going to mess up all the time and fall short of this perfect mother standard because it's impossible, um, the more I messed up and the more that I would say sorry to my children, the more beautiful things started to happen. I'll never forget one day when I was sort of upset about something and one of my children patted me on the back and this a little child, she was I think she was around four or five at the time, and she said, Mommy, don't worry. There's nothing you can do that can um, take away our love and there's nothing you can do or have to do to earn it. And that's something that I had always said to them. And I realized right then and there that they learned more from me screwing up and saying, I'm sorry. That was sort of like this relief, like, oh my gosh, I don't, my mom, whom I love very much, isn't perfect. So 
I don't have to be perfect either. So it was like this big, um, beautiful sort of release for them um, to see that I stumble and they stumble and we're just sort of all in this together trying to figure things out. And I just think it was just very, very fruitful as I started to realize that I could be a good enough mom by just trying to to love them the best way I knew how. And some of the biggest challenges I had in the beginning, other than this perfectionism, was comparing myself to moms whom I really admired and rightfully so should admire. It might have been my grandmother, whom I've always looked up to, or a friend that I met at church. With social media, I think there's all this pressure now in Pinterest for to be a good mom, um, you think that you have to be crafty, that you have to do all these amazing cakes or keep a beautiful home and, uh, you know, do all the run marathons, whatever it is. And what I've realized now as I've grown into my mothering shoes is I need to choose the things that fill me up and then share those with my children and not try and be something that I'm not. So for example, I am someone who enjoys being active and running and doing things like that. So For me, it's not like this horrible thing to go out and run a 5K with my kids. To some people, that would be just horribly awful, and they'd rather be at home with the sewing machine. And I think that's what's so wonderful is that we can just share our unique gifts. Motherhood, yes, it's supposed to be hard. Of course, we have to make sacrifices, but we also are created to be joyful mothers. And I think there's so many things that are block us and provide, um, you know, our walls to that joyful mothering. And we have to discover what they are. For me, it was the comparison. It was trying to be perfect. It was also um, this sort of over-glorification of motherhood, thinking that it was my entire identity. Because I think a lot of times society talks about how children are like these soul-sucking identity thieves, where actually I think it's how we as mothers sometimes view motherhood. We wrongfully put it on this pedestal that it's the only thing that matters. And not only does that put a lot of pressure on us as well as our children, like, oh my gosh, if my children turn out badly, they're an extension of me and an extension of my self-worth. You know, what does that mean? And that can put a lot of pressure on us as mothers and our poor children. But I think it also actually kind of surprisingly undermines the value of motherhood that if we if we look at it as yes it's something hard but it's only a part of us then we see it as this beautiful gift but that we also have all these other things that can kind of help us to be a good mother and can help us to take some of the pressure off um, and and realize that there's more to our identity than just being a mother. And I'm not suggesting here because sometimes people think, oh, I have to do so much more than being just a mom. No. If you find value and and worth in being so-called just a mom, that that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But you also have to know that one day your children are going to grow up in spite of you. And you do want to have other um, pieces of you and parts of you that you don't want to annihilate yourself for the sake of your children and become a total uh, martyr mom. Because I think martyr moms, they do way too much for their children. I'd say the one last struggle that I have had um, is doing things for the wrong reason, not out of love. And there's this muffin madness story I share in my book. But basically, I had just had my fourth child. I was sleep deprived. I was 
not really thinking straight. And it was our turn to bring soccer snacks um, for one of my children's games. And I was frantically bouncing my baby, wearing them in a sling. And I wanted to go out there and look like this mom who had it all together. And sure enough, a mom comes up to me and she's ready to canonize me as the next, you know, Mother Teresa. And she comes up to me and she says, I don't know how you do it. Do it. And I looked at her and I was like, I was a total freak show yelling at everyone. I should not have made these stupid muffins. And I said, just watch. My kids are, I mean, the kids, all the soccer kids aren't going to even like the muffins. They're going to wish I had brought potato chips. And sure enough, the kids are like, ew, you know, <laughs> like, what are these muffins? And I, that was just such an eye opening experience for me because I realized. I need to ask myself if I'm doing this for the love of my family and my children, or am I doing it for worldly acclamation or just for a pat on the back and risking things like finances or, or my sanity or sleep or you know, sacrificing all these things that I don't necessarily have to do. Imperfect love is still love. You made so many good points that I've heard so many other mothers say as well, you know, just finding yourself as a mom and not doing things for the wrong reasons. And Um, One thing that I thought was interesting that you were mentioning in a theme was how we as moms put all this pressure on ourselves and also the shaming that comes not just externally from other moms actually shaming us, but also internally. Um, I I read, uh, gosh, about a year ago in Brene Brown's book, Daring Greatly, how there's just so much shame surrounding motherhood, which I'm sure you've heard her talk about it too. Um, It's just so much more shame than men experience <laughs> definitely in terms of, of when it comes to parenting. So it's just, that just seemed to be a theme when I was listening to you talking that, you know, it's just all centered around shame and, and us putting a lot of pressure on ourselves for that. So uh, I take it that all these struggles that you experience in motherhood definitely led you to writing your book, getting past perfect. And I I can imagine you probably incorporate a lot of these themes in it. And I guess, can you tell us more about what your book Getting Past Perfect is about? So you've mentioned all the struggles, uh, but your book mentioned like practical tools for moms to try to move past that shame and, and just be the best version of themselves. Yes. And so what was really interesting is, I realized, um, and when I say I was really struggling, um, you know, I had lots of joyful moments those years with my first four children. It was great. I wasn't always like trying to be this crazy mom, but I did realize that I was transferring some of the um, same struggles I had with when I had my eating disorder, just trying to be in control and trying to measure my worth on the number of the, you know, what the number said on the scale was my barometer of self-worth when I was struggling from my eating disorder. And all of a sudden, as a motherhood, it was how well I was doing this mothering thing. And I realized that I had to learn um, to let go. And as someone um, who has a strong faith, for me personally, just learning to let go and realize that I was not created to be this perfect superhuman, but instead I was created to be someone who depended on supernatural grace, um, really was freeing for me. Um, you know, I've always, for me personally, it's like, okay, God brought us out of Egypt and we um, are supposed to be free. And yet so many of us act like slaves, whether it's a slave to an addiction or a slave to be trying, trying to be this perfect mom of perfect children, you know, whatever it is. And I just realized it just as I wanted to live a weightless life, a free life is in terms of body image, I wanted to live a free, joyful life as a mother. So I really felt called to write this book. Particularly, there was a 
sort of a big aha moment. I mean, I had many ones along the way, but I had been homeschooling my children and I had been um, just really struggling. I, I had always been a runner that had sort of been my outlet. And I, um, I tore my high hamstring. This is before I wrote the book and I, I lost that outlet and I was really stressed out with homeschooling. And I just had a really pretty major depressive episode, which I do write about in the book. I mean, it was, it was scary and it was pretty major, but I realized as I came out of it with the help of, um, the medical community, as well as my husband. Um, and I had suffered from postpartum depression once before after a child. So I am sort of prone to this, especially with the eating disorder. But I realized afterwards that I just really wanted to help other moms to find joy in being a good enough mom. And I always tease that my next book will be getting past mediocrity because I just, as each kid comes, I keep lowering the bar. But um, um I, after I had this major depressive episode, I decided, um, to send my kids to school. And, um, when you were talking about the shame, I felt so much shame at first. And I realized that I had moralized homeschooling and listen, homeschooling is a great thing for some families. It was not the right choice for my personality, for where our family was, for the nature of my husband's work. It has been such a blessing to have our children in a school community and in different school communities. Now I have one in high school, one in middle school, and two in elementary school. And then my little little one um, is my first to go. Actually, he goes to three days a week like a little mommy out. And I didn't do that with my other kids. Um, but it's been so... Um, and he's great. He's doing fine. Like all these things, you know, that I used to think, oh, and have shame about. And so I just wanted other moms to know that there's no such thing as one size fits all to good motherhood. And each chapter is sort of a different lie that mothers um, have been told. And um, then the what's really the truth. So, you know, there's a chapter like motherhood. Um, a lot of people say that motherhood is the most important thing you'll ever do. And, you know, then I, the unvarnished truth is that I say, well, motherhood is actually not your highest calling. And coming from a Christian perspective, I say, well, being a daughter of God is, that's where you find your identity. Um, I grew up in a family that was a, a, on the outside, just looked like the perfect little family. And we have, I have an older brother who started struggling when I was a child. And to this day, um, has struggled with myriad addictions and has just sort of, when I was little, I always thought of it as taking this candy coated childhood and making it a little bit bitter. But I've seen my mom and how she's had to realize that, you know, she can't blame, she can't live in a place of shame and blame her whole life. He is his own person. He made his own choices and she did the best she could with what she had. And I think, um, that we, a lot of times moms, we think we have this saving embrace that we're going to be able to inoculate our children against angst. And we, of course, we hate to see them suffer, but sometimes they do suffer through no fault of their own, which is heart-wrenching, but sometimes they suffer through choices they make, which is also heart-wrenching. And which in that case, sometimes makes the mom think, you know, oh gosh, what did I do wrong? And what you just said about the shame with mothers in particular, I think when something does go wrong with a child, I mean, even if it's so as silly as a child acting out in, in public, people are like, gosh, what's wrong with that mom? Like, what did she do? Some instances, it even seems like it's just a milestone. It's funny that you say whenever your child misbehaves, because you know, I'm in the thick of the toddler temper tantrums. And my husband and I many times have said, gosh, you know, are all kids like this? I mean, 
we see our friends' kids who have temper tantrums. And obviously, I know that once you get to the teen years and you have to deal with all of that. Um, but a lot of times you just think, gosh, you know, what did I do wrong? You know, what kind of thing differently? And then come to find out, you know, I've been reading this American Academy of Pediatrics book, where it just says that it's actually a major milestone of two-year-olds to be defined. And so I thought, well, part of this is just actual human development and it has nothing to do with you. So just as you were saying that, you know, a lot of times that you feel bad for what your kids are going to going through, but a lot of it's just humanity, right? It is. And I think what we do is we either parents, we could kind of take one or the other. We could think, oh my gosh, what am I doing wrong? Or I know there's been times when I've been like, oh my gosh, my child is a future juvenile delinquent. <laughs> Instead of just realizing, no, he's very, he or she is very normal. This is developmentally appropriate. There's these really great books um, that are like your, um, let me see, I think I have them on my bookshelf. Your, your eight-year-old. So they're for each. I'm trying to see the author from here. I think they're Ames and, hold on. Anyways, Ames and Haber, it looks like. But they're for each age. And they were so helpful for me. So there's like your three-year-old, your two-year-old. And it was just so, because I, it was so bizarre how, you know, so there's obviously some variations. There's no cookie cutter child. But like you said, there are certain things that, I mean, it's almost universal for ages. And you're like, oh, okay. I mean, it's really funny. I have a, and I'm so much more laid back now. Um, my fifth baby was sort of a, a bonus baby, kind of a surprise. And, but I, it's just been so, cause I gave all my baby stuff away. You know, one of those things where you give everything away and you're like, okay, I guess. And then like six months later, oh, okay. <laughs> Never mind. I'm going to be a mom in my 40s. Um, so, but it's been so wonderful because I'm just so much more laid back. Like when he throws a little tantrum, I'm just like, oh, you know, this is just part of it. And, you know, and it's just, it's funny because I've got, I've got that perspective now, but it's for all you mamas out there who are dealing with a hard, um, really hard stage, just knowing that this too shall pass. It's not always going to be like that. Now there's going to be other challenges, but each challenge, you know, it's, it, you're going to get through it. I always joke my oldest and she's given me permission to share this story. So, but when she, she decided she was a very difficult toddler and, um, it, it was just, she didn't sleep and she did not want to go number two. She just decided I'm not going to poop anymore. And so my husband started getting really worried about her digestive tract. So I took her to the pediatrician and they put her on this adult dosage of Miralax. And they said, don't worry, you know, she's not going to be able to hold it in now. She physically will not be able to hold it in. And I always joke that this was my poop doula stage. Like I would sit in the bathroom and be like, push, baby, push. You can do it. You can poop. And nothing was happening. I was just like, okay, what's going on? She held it in her poop in for 15 days. I honestly, when I called the pediatrician, I mean, I didn't know how I was ever going to get past that stage. Well, I'll say now, and the reason I'm sharing this is if you can take whatever trait is really difficult right now and try and think of what the fruits of it might be later, because now she's a 15 year old. She's also tenacious, you know, can be in stubborn, but she does, she's used that same stubbornness to not care about like what people think. She's one of the most 
I was not like her when I was 15. I was so much more worried and she is her own person. She stubbornly believes in her values and what she's going to do. Um, she's stubborn as on the basketball court. She plays with, um, you know, fierce determination. So I've seen all these traits that were so difficult as a toddler sort of ripen into this beautiful fruit as she's gotten older. And so I think sometimes if we can try and look, okay, what's going to be the positive of this child doing this right now and sort of look past and see what the positive might be. You know, I have another child who's an extreme introvert and gets really annoyed with her siblings, but she's also just so contemplative and reads so much. So you have to kind of look at, you know, what the, um, what the, the silver lining is in whatever you're going through. And then just remember that if you are not, if you're just going through a rough patch in motherhood, and I think this is the other thing that we care about being moms so much that, we think something's wrong with us if we're not enjoying it, or we feel guilt and more shame because not only is mothering harder than we thought, but we also, our kids sometimes drive us crazy. And not to talk about poop a lot, but there was a phase in my life where I was locking myself in the bathroom so much that I came out one day and that same girl who used to hold in her poop, she was still little and she patted me on the back and she said, mommy, I'm so sorry you've been so constipated. So I've been locking myself in the bathroom so much. She thought I was having constipation issues. And really I was just like going in there to escape to get a few minutes peace. So I think we all need to know that, that as a sorority of mothers, we're not alone. It's hard for us all. Cut each other some slack, cut yourself some slack and no shame allowed. If you're worried about being a good mom, then that means you're probably definitely a good enough mom if you're worried that much about it. I'm going to be over here at dinner time thinking about how my son who refuses to ever eat, how that's going to be a positive trait in his future. Hopefully that'll help me get through it. But um, I can relate so much to what you were saying from homeschooling to just making discoveries about reflecting on your own family of origin. And I've been really connected with what you were saying about making sure you enjoy your own life outside of just being a mom and not just doing things as a mom because you think you should um, or Pinterest says you should. Um, I mean, I saw that in my own mom. Uh, I think she did something similar. She homeschooled all of us uh, for almost 12 years. And I think she did it because she also um, associated a moral value with homeschooling, similar to what you were talking about. And even when it wasn't necessarily um, the best choice for our family, I think she did the best she could. But going back, I wish I could have given her advice now and said, mom, if it's not working for us, then, you know, or for you, maybe it's time to reevaluate. And I think that's so timely, I think, for all of us as moms to constantly be reflecting on our motivation behind what we're doing. Um But as you said, every mom is different. And I think the only common theme is that a lot of the time we feel like we're not good enough. And I was curious um, if you had any thoughts about why you think that is. Um, I think there's I think there are a lot of reasons. I do think um, that social media has um, definitely played into it, because even if mothers aren't intentionally, even if they're just intentionally sharing about their life. Um, if you're having a rough day and you're just scrolling through and you see all these moms like perfect with perfectly coiffed hair and, you know, maybe great figures and beautiful houses and they're making food from scratch. I mean, and you're just like 
trying to get the diaper ointment out of your hair and find time to make, take a shower and, you know, make sure your kids aren't running in the front yard without you knowing, which has happened to me. Like my, two of my kids have escaped at different phases of my life. So, um, you know, I think that that can definitely add to it. I also think that just the way society, um, has sort of turned parenting. It's not just, just the simple, not that parenting was ever easy or simple per se, but I talked to my, my Nana has, um, the grandmother that I briefly mentioned in the beginning, she's, um, passed away. Um, she passed away in her nineties, but, um, she, before that we had had to talk about motherhood cause she got to, um, meet my, my first four children. And, um, she had, she, had nine children. And I just was saying, Nana, I just don't know how you did it. And she said, you know, when I was a mom, there was no such thing as being room mom and class parties and having to um, have your kid, if you wanted your kid to play soccer, they had three, there was no such thing as having three practices a week. Like kids just, you know, if they played soccer, they played after school and um, just everything was just, the whole society was structured in a more simple way. So I think that a lot of it is just sort of where we can feel like we're swimming against the tide if we are trying to keep things simple and and keep our calendars clear and not worry about getting our kids into Harvard at age eight. You know, I just think there's a lot more pressure um, just from the time a woman's pregnant. You know, you can buy things now to hear your baby's heartbeat or to put classical music in utero closer to them. And so it just becomes sort of a life project and our, our, our motherhood should be a vocation, but our children become these projects that we we are just constantly um, molding and tweaking and trying to, um, you know, turn into this sort of perfect manifestation of our love instead of realizing that uh, children, they need their basic needs met, met and then they need very simple ways of showing their love and that we as parents we, we learn, we have this innate desire to love and to be loved, but we also need to be taught how to love. And that's what, that's what makes growing into our mothering shoes so hard is because that kind of intense sacrificial love doesn't always come naturally. It's, it's messy. It hurts. It's terrifying. I always say that motherhood is like the most extreme sport there is. I mean, I've had a corneal abrasion as a mother. I've had a busted nose. I stepped on a rogue Lego. <laughs> and tore some ligaments in my ankle. I picked up a boneless child and ended, ended up popping a ligament in my, I'm just like, what the heck? You know, I want to say things like I was rock climbing or I was like, oh no, I, I, I picked up a boneless child. So, you know, it's hard physically and emotionally, but I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves um, to, because of the way society is, because it does make children sort of these projects and we pour everything into them, you know, the trips to Disney World and all these these things that, you know, are fine, but they also are not a measure of our parental love. And um, and then also, I really do think um, social media, because so many moms now, instead of making friendships with their neighbors next door, because we live in sort of these even these like little isolated suburbia where we're each in our own little house and we don't reach out as much. And so we go online to find community and that can be beautiful. And you can, it's kind of like us going to the watering well if we lived in a village, but it's online. But what happens is you 
you just get the highly curated feed of people. You you get snippets, and you're. I think as moms, we need the that sorority of motherhood, and you need to find. I know that it took me a while. We moved. We've been here nine years now, but the first two years we were in this New York town, I was really really lonely, and then I just got very lucky. Two new moms moved in on the street, and I don't need tons of friends. I'm not someone, but they are like the kind of moms I could call up in the middle of the night, and so I have that support and. I think just knowing that they're going through rough things kind of takes some of, I'm like, oh, so they're really struggling too. So (laughs) it's okay that I'm not perfect because they aren't either. And I look up to them so much. So having those moms to um, lean on, um, if faith is important to you, having a faith life to turn to, um, and then just being very careful with social media. I I have to have some presence because of the work I do, um, but I'm really, really careful. I'm constantly sort of culling through my feed and making sure that I, I am following people that don't ever make me feel less than, or if I'm just having a rough day, I just stay away from it altogether because I know my personality, it's just going to end up me comparing or me feeling, um, you know, just kind of like, oh, I didn't do anything worthwhile today. And even if you're someone who doesn't compare and think, oh gosh, I haven't done anything. I think there's also on the flip side, there's this temptation to think, well, you know, at least I am better than that mom or, you know, my, my kids, at least I comb my kids hair or our kids Christmas picture, they were at least smiling and they don't fight. And either way is wrong. You're either building yourself up too much and looking down on others or you're feeling inadequate. And neither of those um, are ways to live. I think you got to keep your eyes on your own work. And um, I think your children will, will sense if you're doing things out of a sense of wanting to be perfect, rather out of a sense of wanting to love them the best way you can. And if you're doing things for the wrong reason, even if it might be good in a sense, your children, they, they're they little, um, I, I call them emotional positioning systems like GPS. They, they are good at knowing if you're resentful or you're angry or you're, or you're hurt or you're lonely. They'll pick up on that. Yeah, that's something I've I've noticed in my daughter too. She's barely two years old, but I've I've honestly learned so much more about love from her than I think I ever have in my entire life. Just yeah. as what you were saying, like your your kids don't care if you're perfect; they just love you for you and not what you do. Especially in in the early years, and just seeing that pure love is just overwhelming. And at least for me, no. has taught me a lot of what what even is important at as and I and also what you were saying about just the hyper parenting that's really caught on for whatever reason in society you know I just read an article in the Wall Street Journal about it that's one reason why so many parents are putting off parenthood because it's just so all-consuming and that just as you were saying with your grandma that that's not something that we've always had in our society and that it's it's okay to be an, an average parent it is and it's Okay to say no to volunteer stuff too. Like I, I'm just like, you know, I can't do all this. You know, I, I just can't. I mean, it, it becomes crazy. And so, and then there may be some people who are just kind of, I remember there was one year where, um, somebody was orchestrating a cakewalk, uh, for a volunteer, um, fundraiser. And they asked me if I could bring baked goods. And I said, sure. But I had just had Charlie, my fifth baby. 
and they said, just make sure they're homemade. And then I wrote her back and I said, well, if you want homemade, then I'm not your girl. But if you don't, and she said, oh, well, we really want them to be homemade. I said, okay, well, I'm sorry. Because I, I mean, I just had a new baby and I don't really care. No, that's (laughs) awesome. I think we all need the courage to just say no. I think I saw a meme about that today. It's like the most satisfying thing you can say as an adult is no. (laughs) I'm not going to do that. Yes. And just remember if you have a really hard time saying no, what I always encourage moms is there's a yes behind that no. Like when I said no, that I couldn't bring in um, homemade items, I was saying yes to a little bit more sleep maybe. And that was better for my family. And sometimes I say no for my sanity. Sometimes I say no for my marriage. You know, I mean, you just have to know that um, you're saying yes to something else. And I think that's really helped me as sort of this chronic people pleaser. I've gotten really, really good at saying, no. <laughs> so if anyone needs a little pet talk, exactly. just come my way and I'll teach them how. And what's a little bit ironic too about the whole perfect mom thing as as we've been talking, I've just I've thought of this non-mom example for my own life that in a previous life in my early 20s, I actually did some beauty pageants in the Miss America system. So, um, but I still remember that when I first started off, you know, I didn't really put, I mean, I put forth good effort, but I, what, I wasn't hyper-focused. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do this and try my best, but I just didn't put, I just wasn't trying to be so much of a perfectionist. And I did really well. Like I won a couple of titles. I won Miss Hollywood. And then all of a sudden, you know, after when I went to Miss California my second time, I just hyper analyze everything. I try to do what everyone else was doing. And I was just trying to be so perfect that I lost sight of just having a little bit of that raw edge and a little bit of that humanity. So, and, and I, you know, that was the least successful that I ever, I lost everything that time. And, and when I was a little bit more raw and a little bit more real, that that's when I did so much better and won. So anyway, when you're saying that, I just kind of thought, kind of thought of that example, but I had something very similar. I remember when I ran, um, I decided I had really enjoyed running in high school, but then with the eating disorder, I ended up having a stress fracture. Yada, yada, yada. I had to quit and um, get healthy. And then after I went through treatment, I decided to run a marathon. And I remember my parents were so worried, you know, this would, and I said, no, I'm going to do it for all the right reasons. I'm not going to wear a watch. And I ran it, I had so much fun. And then when I finished, Everyone said, oh my gosh, if you ran a sub four, you can run so much better. And then all of a sudden, like I couldn't run fast anymore because I would like totally self-destruct because then like that I knew that I had the potential. It was so much worse. So, and now I'm back to just running for the joy. And sometimes I have a good pace, sometimes it, but it's just so much more freeing just to enjoy the journey and not to be like hyper-focused about how I'm going to get there. And I, th- I think that's what we sort of have to do with motherhood is it's definitely a marathon. It takes a really long time and you're going to have setbacks. And some days, you know, I also say the perceived um, for exer- if people who like to exercise, the perceived rate of exertion. Um, that's really important in, in motherhood to think of something like that. Like if it's hard for you and you're struggling, then it's hard for you. Don't compare, don't wonder why that mom over there so effortlessly does it because she has something that's hard for her. And just like some days when we exercise that rate of perceived exertion, we're like, man, I feel like I could fly. And the next day we do an easier workout, but we feel like our legs are led. You know, that if you're perceiving that something is hard, then it is and cut, give yourself some grace and just cut yourself some slack and find some support and don't be afraid to ask for help. And just know that you are, 
your children just love you so much for who you are. All your imperfect. You're going to yell. You're going to lose your patience sometimes. But they're going to learn so much from that when you hug them and you say, I'm sorry. They're going to learn that, gosh, you know what? This this is a place of mercy and love. And my mom's going to love me no matter what because I love her no matter what. Even when she sometimes, you know, doesn't let me have my sandwiches cut up in the triangles I wanted when I <laughs> gave me rectangles, rectangles instead, or, you know, I'm, I'm making little silly things. But even as your children grow and there's bigger heartaches, um, you know, you've got this. Even when you, I always say, mamas, you got it, even when you think you don't. That's the perfect ending. Wow. Thank you so much, Kate, for sharing yeah. about your life and your book and so many useful tips that moms can implement in their lives. Where can moms find you online, on social media or website or go ahead and put yeah. that out there? I still have my website. It's you know it has information all about me. So that's katewicker.com. I don't blog quite as much as I used to. And then I do probably the most on Instagram now. And that's um, Kate Wicker, just Kate. And then Wicker, like the furniture. <laughs> and where can people purchase your book? Oh, yeah. And my books, um, they're on Amazon. Or you can um, buy one through my website. Or um, my publisher is Ave Maria. Um, they're on Barnes & Noble. So, um online. So yeah, they're, they're around. Thank you for saying yes to coming onto our podcast. I know you say I think that's a healthy boundary, but we're so grateful you said yes to coming on to the show today. No, I hope it touched, um, encouraged some mom out there. I hope so. Thank you guys. So much.